Good morning, everyone. Um, boy, have I got some props for you today. Blue Peter style, for those of you who understand that, some stuff I made earlier. Um, so yeah, we're in part five. Give us today our daily bread. Um, but before I start my message, I just want to uh, rewind a little bit. Three years ago, we were in a series on the parables of Jesus. We all, as a group, got to choose a particular parable that we wanted to do. Um, And the one that I chose was the parable of the yeast or the parable of the leaven. And I had to do a little bit of research about bread, how it was made in those times thousands of years ago, because it was quite different to how we make bread today. But I could see this striking similarity um, between what they did then and what we know today as sourdough bread. So, you know, we don't use those little seven gram packets of easy dried yeast Um, and let it rise for an hour. Sourdough is something that takes days to make. Um, And I was intrigued by it because I really love sourdough. Um, But I never got around to actually making it because I kept forgetting to start with making the yeast. And that would take about 10 to 12 days to uh, get to a point where it could be used. Well, fast forward a year, and we were in the spring of 2020, and guess what happened? We were all locked down, weren't we? And we were stuck at home, We couldn't do anything. We couldn't go anywhere other than grocery shopping. And I decided, you know what? I've got a little bit more time on my hands. I'm going to practice what I preached. It's only taken me a year, but I'm going to do it. And so I managed to get some flour eventually. Um, Ended up having to get a sack from a warehouse because the shelves were empty. But I started by making my yeast. So I put together flour and water in equal measures, mixed it together, put it in a nice clean jar, and I put it to one side. A few days later, I came back to it. I discarded half of it. I added some more equal measures of flour and water. And over the next few days, I began to see signs of life. So little bubbles started to appear. And I have brought my starter with me today for you to see. I I knew that I would have to take care of it, and so I thought it was a good idea to name my starter. And so I named my starter after my son, Jake. But not for any sentimental reasons, I must point out, simply because of the amount of food I had to feed them both. (laughs) So let me show you Jake, my starter. So I fed my starter last night. So in my jar, um, I'll put this down in a second, but there's a black line here. And that was where the starter was when I fed it, and you can see how much it has grown. Full of bubbles, full of life. And it's just, it's it's sort of reached its peak. It's ready to go into some dough to make bread. If I leave it much longer, it will probably spoil. But I fed that last night. And then I also made a loaf of bread, as you do. With the starter. Let me put this down for you. One thing that struck me with the Lord's Prayer was how often we start off our prayer life before God simply with a list of requests. God, I need this. God, I need you to provide this. God, I need you to do this for me. 
And what we see in this prayer is that the position of give us our daily bread is roughly in the middle of the whole prayer. So we were looking at God, our Father, identifying him as Father. We were then seeing that he wasn't just our Father, but he was holy in his fathership. And also, two really important things, that it was necessary for us to extend his kingdom. And last week, we were looking at doing his will, something that we find often difficult to do. And it just struck me how often our mindset, our focus is on the provision of what we need, rather than being on the focus on the provider, God himself. And we need to remember that he gives us this provision. It actually says he gives it to us. The next thing that struck me was the frequency. And so we see it is our daily bread. It is not weekly bread. It is not monthly bread. It is not special occasion bread. It's not just for Christmas bread. It is daily bread. And in Exodus um, chapter 16, we have the story of the Israelites. They've come out of Egypt. They've been in slavery. They've been under oppression. And they've come out of Egypt, wandering through the wilderness, and God provides for them sustenance in the way of bread, manna, every single morning. And in fact, it was called bread of heaven. And every morning they would have to go out, they would have to collect what they needed for themselves and for their family unit. And they were to eat that that day. They were not to keep it for the following day because anything that was kept would spoil and would go off. And I thought about this. Why, God, why does it spoil? Because you have the ability to make this last forever. So why does it spoil? And something that I'd missed sort of in the text, just a few little words where God says to Moses, this is a test. It's a test because the Israelites each morning had to trust God for their provision. There was no way that they could hold on to what they'd collected that day and find their security in that item because it would perish. And each day they had to come to God afresh. And I think that the Israelites lost their focus. If we think about the extending of God's kingdom and the doing of his will and who God is in his holiness, they allowed their hearts, their minds to become discontent. They were even pining for what they used to have in Egypt under slavery because they'd lost sight of what God was doing in their lives. The next thing I noticed was that it was our bread. In fact, the whole prayer is a communal one. It's our Father. It's give us our daily bread. It's not my bread. It's our bread. And it reminded me of the early church in Acts and the mindset that they had of what is mine is yours. I have freely received and I will freely share with my brothers and sisters because God has provided and what you lack I will pass on to you knowing that when I am in lack you will pass on to me. And that mindset can only be achieved when we truly grasp God's character and nature, when we truly put him at the center of things, when we are looking to extend his kingdom and not our own, when we're looking to do his will and not our own. 
And then the fourth thing in the area of physical provision. I touched on this a little bit last week. A little bit later in Matthew 6 from verse 25, we have this instruction that tells us, do not worry about provision, whether that's the food that you eat, whether that's the clothes that you wear, whether that's a financial situation, do not worry. And that's something we find very, very easy to do because we lose track. We, we get our focus off of the person who is the provider and we then start looking at the provision and where that's going to come from. That's my responsibility to do that. And God gives us the key to be able to move past that mindset of anxiety and worry by simply putting him first. It says, seek first my kingdom and all of these things that you need will be added unto you. And that completely ties up with what we saw in week three of the Lord's Prayer, seek God's kingdom. Many of you are reading through the Bible in a year through the YouVersion app. And a few days ago, you may remember that Nikki Gumbel shared this quote. And it was, feed your faith and starve your doubt. And I loved that because when you choose, and it is a choice, when you choose to feed your faith, the things that cause you anxiety, those doubts, those worries, will naturally begin to subside because you're feeding faith. But when you choose to feed doubt, then it is your faith that begins to starve and suffocate. God wants us thinking in a different mindset. He wants a faith focus, not a doubt one. So let's take a look now from physical to spiritual provision. I want to set a scene for you. So in John chapter 6, We've had Jesus feeding the 5,000. So they've all met on the mount to hear him speak. They've been there for hours. They're really hungry. The disciples are worried. What are we going to do? How are we going to feed people? And all that they have is a little boy's packed lunch, a few loaves, a few fish. And Jesus takes it. He prays over it. He blesses it and breaks it and gives it to the disciples. And we know that all the people there got fed. But what was brilliant for me was we don't just see this uh, miraculous provision of need. But instead, we see a miraculous provision of abundance because there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. Like God was saying to the disciples, hey, I've got this. I'm not just going to show you that I can meet a need. I'm going to show you that I can go way beyond that. I can give you way more than you think is possible. And then shortly after that incident, Jesus walks on water to the disciples in a boat. Well, they get to the other side of the lake. People have gathered. They want to hear Jesus speak. And in verse 26 of John chapter 6, it says this. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, 
This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say that Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he comes and offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. So they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. And verse 47, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. And anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. So what speaks to me here is that Jesus is really challenging their thought process. He wants to get them off of thinking of uh, physical provision. Remember, they've just been through the feeding of the 5,000 experience. He says, don't get caught up in the miraculous provision of bread, which is, let's face it, not here tomorrow. It will perish. But rather have your focus on that which is eternal and seeking eternal life. And he invites them to come to him, to believe in him, to have faith in him, to trust him. And this got me because they said, okay, if you really want us to do this, give us a miraculous sign. I'm going, please, have we not just seen miraculous signs of feeding of 5,000 and walking on water that you still need more proof that this is the Son of God? They liken the manna as something being provided by Moses, and Jesus immediately interjects and says, no, Moses didn't provide this bread. The bread from heaven was provided by my Father. And now... Under a new covenant through Jesus, God is offering true bread, true living bread. And Jesus declares himself to be the bread of life at that point. He's not, he wants the focus taken off that which feeds our internal bodies. Bread was something that was such a staple in their diet and still is today. It was seen as an essential food item. And here he is saying, yes, bread is essential, but I am bread, and I am essential for you. I'm essential for your spiritual growth, for your well-being, for your eternal state. 
he also tells them that he's doing the will of his father. How often do we try and squirm out of doing what God wants us to do? And we see here beautifully that not even Jesus was exempt from doing the will of his father. That is how important it is that we follow what God asks us to do. So we can see that there are two elements of bread. There's this physical description of what God is trying to provide for us. He knows what we need. He deeply cares about us. He knows that our physical bodies need to be fed and nourished. But at the same time, he's saying, look, there is something far more serious, something far more important that I need you to think about. And that is spiritual feeding from a bread that will not perish, from a bread that will leave you completely satisfied and never hungry. What struck me was how easy it is for me, for all of us, to get ourselves into a panic and a worry about what we don't have. Where's the next meal going to come from? How am I going to find the money to pay the next bill? That's really easy for us to do, to jump out of this mindset of God is provider and God's will will prevail and God's kingdom will be first. Do I find it as easy to maybe be unhappy about my, my state spiritually? If I am depriving myself of spiritual food, does it bother me? Do I see the consequences as being something bad in my life? Or do I just tolerate it? Am I not phased by it? And that really sort of struck me that I don't have the same concern about my spiritual health that I may do over my physical health. Now, because I knew I was sharing this message with you, I also did a little bit of an experiment So you've already seen my healthy starter and my healthy loaf of bread. And so now I want to show you what happens when you don't feed your starter. This is exactly the same quantity that is in that jar. I'm just going to pop this down for you, Alpha. So on top of that starter... What you can see is a layer of liquid, and it's called hooch. It's actually very alcoholic because of the fermentation of the sugars within the flour itself. When a little bit of liquid begins to form on the top of the starter, that is a signal that tells me it's hungry. I need to feed it. By leaving that for about three weeks, it's gone darker and darker and darker. If you take the lid off, it smells like a very potent glass of wine. But what's happening is that hooch is stifling the life out of the starter. It's robbing it of nutrients. It's taking any last bit of life it's got left and taking it for itself. It's depriving it of oxygen because it can get nutrients from the air too. And so I decided to make a loaf of bread with it and see what happens. Because you can see what happens with a healthy starter. And so this is my breeze block of a loaf. It's absolutely solid. 
I'm just going to place it next to this nice healthy one. You can see it's extremely thin. I've never been so pleased with a failure. <laughs> I thought, this better not rise. It really can't rise. I need this for my, uh, my illustration. But I want, you to, I want you to see this because for me, when I started to look at the hooch sitting on top of the starter and the resulting failed loaf of bread, I realized the impact on me spiritually when I don't feed myself on the living bread. I want you to remember that picture. And you can come and take a photo of it afterwards if you want to. We can get very complacent. We can become a bit desensitized. But before you know it, I I don't know if I can bring that starter back from where it's gone now, whether it will ever produce a healthy loaf of bread again. If I can, it's going to take a lot of time and effort to do that. Can I invite the worship team just to come back and join me? I want you to see the importance of spiritual food. In context of this prayer, give us our bread, give us our daily bread. We know that God will provide for us physically, but you need to understand that God provides for you spiritually, continually. And just like your body needs to be fed, your spirit needs to be fed too. So there are two main areas of response that I want us to look at today. You may resonate with one or the other or both of them. Today you may be the person who is really in a blind panic about where the next loaf of physical bread is going to come from. The provision that you know that you need. And I want you to remember the promise that God gives us where he says, seek me first above all else. Put everything into me because I know what you need. I know the provision that you need and I will add these things to you. To let go and let God be provider. And then the second area of, of response. You may just feel a little bit convicted maybe today. How much hooch have I got sitting in my spiritual life? And what is it doing? It's a sign telling me to feed on the living bread of God. Am I ignoring that? because I need to pay serious attention to it, because God is wanting to churn out really healthy loaves of bread from our lives. And if we don't feed it, then all we're going to turn out effectively are solid pancakes. We're not being what God wanted us to be. We saw that the Israelites received manna from God, bread from heaven, provision daily that kept them physically alive. And the manna was a shadow of what was to come. It was pointing to Jesus. It was pointing to one who would meet all needs, who would pay the ultimate price so that we could have eternal life. One that would give us living, eternal bread and satisfaction. And also a shadow of what was to come is seen as an example within the the tabernacle. We have the table of showbread. There are so many intricate details within the tabernacle, and I I recommend you go away and research them. 
I certainly can't do them justice in a few moments this morning. But the table of showbread was made of acacia wood. It was covered in gold. Wood to represent the Son of Man. Gold to represent his deity, the Son of God. On this table were 12 loaves of unleavened bread in, six, in two piles of six. Across the bread was frankincense. 12 loaves representing the 12 tribes of Israel. The unleavened bread representing the sinless nature of God. Across the bread, the frankincense representing prayer. And on the table also would have been jugs or pitchers of wine that would be poured out as a symbol of God's blood being shed. The priests would come around the table of showbread. The showbread was also known as bread of the presence. So they would come around the table in each other's presence. They would eat of the bread of the presence in God's presence, fellowshipping together. The bread was changed. It was fresh. Every Sabbath it would be renewed. We need to continually come for fresh bread. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 tells us that we are a chosen generation, that we are a royal priesthood. We get to come around God's table. He has provided living bread that will always satisfy. And we get to consume of our bread together in his presence, in fellowship with each other, in fellowship with God. He has provided that bread. And we have to act and consume it so that we are filled, so that we are fed, so that we can grow. What better way to end than to come around the communion table together. Let's stand. You should have received the elements when you came in today. If you don't have communion, just pop your hand up and we can get that to you. One Corinthians eleven verses twenty three to twenty six. It says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God. And he broke it in pieces. Saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together.
In the same way, he took the wine after supper, saying, This cup is the covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the cup together. thank you for your provision. Father, we thank you that you lay a table of fresh bread for us. That you don't just meet our, meet our physical needs, but God, you provide for us eternally. Through your word, through the living breath of your son, Lord God, we have fresh bread every single day. Fill us, Lord. Let us never lose sight of who you are. Father, let us never lose sight of the growth of your kingdom and your will being done. Father, open our hearts and our ears to hear from you today. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name. We're going to worship God. We're going to declare him as Jireh, our provider. And I want to encourage you, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, whether you are desperate for physical provision, put him at the center of it. Seek his kingdom above all else. Bring it to him because he promises fresh bread daily. Allow him to speak to your spirit. Feed on his word. Become a good loaf for the world to see that his kingdom can be extended. Let's worship him.